an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Hello and welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Martin. Hello. How are you doing, Andy? I'm good, thank you very much. Yes. Jolly good. I've been trying to get the garden sorted before I don't look at it again, you know, in the spring. So... <laughs> well, this goes dark. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and the mother-in-law visits this weekend, so that's always a bit of an inspection. <laughs> the mother-in-law. <laughs> you, you're actually living in Terry and June world. I am. <laughs> Very much so. Um, yes. Wow. Interesting. And is, is 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 that is that something you look forward to with glee? Um, no. Um, I was talking oh, with okay. Alex um, yesterday when we were recording for my other podcast. Um, uh, what other podcast is that, Andy? <laughs> Everyone knows. Anyway, and I was saying that I. I'm trying to get the plug in. Come <laughs> okay, on. Doctor Who, World Enough and Time, a classic Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> I was talking about how... I was listening to that yesterday. Were you? Which episode? Which episode? Uh, well, that would have been the October one. Oh, the Highlanders. Um, yes. yeah. It was one of those things, I, re- I suddenly realised it was the first of the month and it was late in the afternoon. I thought, oh, yeah, oops. Yes. I'm kind of used to things appearing on Saturdays and it just, just threw me. But uh, yes, the Highlanders. Aye, the Highlanders. Aye. Yes. Sounds like the cup final. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm appalled that you never mentioned that Tanner Gordon murdered Victor Meldrew. In what? But there we go. What? What? In, in, in one foot? In one foot in the grip. Is that what happens in the end? Oh, well, they ruined that for you. <laughs> I didn't know that. It was Hannah. It was Hannah. What done it? And what? As well as straddling anyway. a laird. Um... As well as straddling a laird. I, I feel that you need to get straddling a laird t-shirts. <laughs> yes, I know. It's certainly <laughs> taking on a new life. But what I was going to tell you, my little anecdote, Indeed. which I feel like it's about ten minutes ago now. <laughs> that I do go on. I do find that I need to just sort of like be rude to my mother-in-law immediately. Because she's going right. to be angry with me for nothing anyway. So I may as well just get in right. quick. Do you know? Right. Are you a great disappointment, Andy? I just think I'm from another planet for her, you know. Uh, but yeah, then a lot of people yeah. think that, so that's okay. Planet of the mother-in-laws. Mother-in-laws are from Venus, or whatever it is. Yeah. The book wasn't. <laughs> anyway, how are you, sir? How am I? I'm I'm fine. I'm I'm absolutely shattered. I'm I'm trying to juggle about three different podcasts at the moment, if not four. <laughs> Gosh. And it's all, and I'm suddenly realised I'm running, running desperately out of content. I'm trying, I'm trying very hard to, to, to work, work on something where I need guests and I don't talk to anybody. So that's. Fun. I sort of picture, picture you in the, um, on a moor somewhere, chasing content um, down. Indeed. 
Aye, well, it grows wild up here, you know. It grows wild. <laughs> and we go hunting hunting the content across the moors. Yeah, it's a bit like the Scarrison hunting the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Although slightly less convincing, my content. Yes. Like, <laughs> I'd like to see you as a sock puppet, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think many people would. I think they would stay but see it as an improvement. So, yeah. They've heard my opinions on this very podcast. <laughs> and think there's a sock puppet. <laughs> That sounds, At least I think that's what that they said. That sounds like, um, yes, you misheard that, or it's a euphemism. One of the two. You, you sock puppet. <laughs> yeah, I like that as a as a, um, a name call, actually. A sock, you it's sock, the boggly eyes. You sock the puppet. So it's the thing I like about the Scarrison is it's that boggly eye. Yes, especially when it comes up in the Thames. You can't beat that, yeah. can you? Mm. It is, actually, in terms of... We're doing the A to Z of, of UK TV drama, but that is a high point of British TV drama. Yes! Is the, is, is the, uh, the sock puppet... In the Thames. Uh, Scarrison, <laughs> yes. Pastor. I feel television... They might have well shut off the television at that point. Say, no, no, we're not making any more. We have reached... Perfection. That is the zenith. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's only... It's all murkers from here. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like an autobiography. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to look at today? We finally get round to it. <laughs> yes, what we're going to look at today is a single television play from mm-hmm. 1976, which was part Indeed. of the Strand Red Letter Days, to which you heard the music after you heard our intro theme earlier. Um, and each of the plays in this series focused on a, a single special day in someone's life. And oh, the, isn't that lovely? Yes. And the first episode was focusing on the life of extra Joe McGill in Ready When You Are, Mr. McGill. Supporting artist, darling. So Yes, but in those days, back in 76, you Indeed. were just an extra. Bloody extra. But, but, yes, and you were sworn at regularly. But, um, oh, Indeed. Now you're a supporting, we'll come to supporting artiste who's sworn out regularly instead. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Think the world changes. The more the world changes, yes. the more it stays the same. But yes, Ready When You Are, Mr. McGill yes. by Jack Rosenthal. So we have returned to Jack. Yes. Uh, actually, quite quickly, really, for us. I mean, it's, um, it's considering it was only letter L when yeah. we last looked at yeah. him. And, uh, and this is one of his uh, more well-remembered words works really have you actually managed to find out much about the rest of red letter days or red letter day you know i was sure. going to but i failed to do that so now yeah, i feel no, like it's, i it's, should scrabble it's basically quickly a series, <laughs> a series of seven that ran sort of january february yeah um and even on imdb the the, the kind of uh, detail you find about about each of the, the there are seven of them ready when you are mr mcgill the five pound orange well thank you thursday amazing stories match fit for services to myself and bag of yeast, and, and there's sort of diminishing amazing. returns. That's sorry. They all sound amazing. <laughs> oh, well, yes. I mean, some of the reviews on Amazon basically say the dullest seven plays I've ever seen. So, but the the fascinating thing is that there's a definite diminishing returns in terms of the the uh, even the uh, descriptions, the synopses. You go from the film extra one, which we are going to watch, to match fit. A grumpy Scottish soccer boss meets a young fan in a TB sanatorium. Right. And for services to myself, know what this is about. Be the first one to add a plot. <laughs> well, bag of yeast. Know what this is about. Be the first one to add a plot. <laughs> well, the one that um, the one I want to see desperately mm. is well, thank you Thursday. 
Um, oh, right. Partly because it sounds like very little happens, but also oh, yes. but also because Tenko's Veronica Roberts is in it, in a supporting right. role. But it's Fair. Judy Mi- Parfit is Miss Shepherd. She's getting a new yes. desk. But <laughs> She's getting a new desk. But things don't go entirely as expected. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, wow. You know when you have to pitch for writing? <laughs> yes. Have you seen Have you seen amazing stories? Weird tale of a family who are apparently being taken over by vegetables. <laughs> I feel I feel that that, that it, its place in television history is assured. Yeah. But but anyway, back in 1976, probably around about the same time as the Scarrison was terrifying us. <laughs> yes. slightly, probably slightly later, Mr. McGill. Yes. Mr. Mr. McGill featured in a story about painting a shed. (laughs) Okay, let's be fair with the synopsis. So this is about Joe McGill, who wakes up in the morning and it's his big day. He's got finally, after appearing in quite a few TV programmes, mainly for ITV, I'm feeling. He's more of an ITV extra than a BBC extra. Um, Oh, indeed. Possibly because he lives in the Granada region. (laughs) Um, He has finally got... Some lines to say. It's not just a word. Some, Some lines. lines. And he's very excited. Yes. Meanwhile, the production on this film is not going well. The director is close to losing it. He seems to hate everyone else on the cast and crew, and particularly the crew, particularly the sound man. And, <laughs> and he's trying to get it in the can, and it's not looking hopeful. And this day, they have to get at least this one important, crucial turning point scene in the can in order mm-hmm. to uh, get back on track, as it were. But um, from this, the drama ensues. <laughs> Frida Pennington. Yeah, Cocker. Brian Clegg. As ever, sunshine. Mabel Stevens. Yeah. Mabel, are you down for second Gospin housewife? No one said. I should imagine I'm down for first Gospin housewife, in all probability. Parts will be allocated on arrival at the location. I happen to know what I was auditioned for, dear. Harold Danby. Joseph McGill. Joe. Yeah, Harold Danby. Sorry. Sorry. Leeds United. Pardon? Were you on Leeds United? Play for today? No. At Lombago. Ah. Confusing you with some other party. I was asked. At Lombago. What did you think of it overall? Did you did you find it a nice play? Do you enjoy it as a play? I struggled because mm. I've seen the 2003 version, which right. has comedy acting royalty in it, and it's so mm. much sharper and tighter and funnier that mm. this felt more like a drama. It felt more like a TV play drama, and that right. the 2003 version is more of a comedy. And right, and it, uh, and directed by the Graf Vindicate. Indeed, Paul Seed directs. And <laughs> I feel sorry for Paul Seed because I always say, yes, it's the Graf Vindicate directing, like he did nothing else. Um, I have to just... Well, we, can we, it's just as, we have our priorities. Just as a sidebar, can I just say, I saw something on Twitter the other day that made me laugh buckets. And it was... Um, Go on. It's this Doctor Who account, Doctor Who um, Star of the Day or whatever it is. And it was... Okay. It was mourning the loss of Via Lorimer because he had been an extra in Silver Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. 
<laughs> he was a famous TV producer. That's, and, that's up there with your Debbie Watson. It is. Standard, isn't it? He's a famous TV producer, a director. He helmed the, the amazing second series of Tenko. He did the last series of Blake Seven. He directed loads of Blake Seven. And to just say he was bloody an extra in Silver Nemesis. I mean, what a flipping. Well, it's pri- it's, uh, priorities. I mean, I, I have been, I, what I do like about uh, Ready When You Are, Mr. McGill, is it has Mark Wing Davy. It, it does, and and Mark Wing Davy, of course, was famous later as Zaphod Beeblebrook. I know, and, and course... I, I couldn't help thinking that he's much more handsome as Zaphod Beeblebrook than he is when he's just being himself. <laughs> <laughs> and when he's being himself, he looks a lot more like his mother. Indeed, Anna Wing and gives us. <laughs> And gives us a nice EastEnders uh, link amongst all yeah. these Coronation Street folks. Yes, and then we can link back to Kinder through that Doctor Who. So we've come full circle. Uh, um, so, so there we go. Oh, and then we've just come full circle as well. So we've done that even more. <laughs> <laughs> but the original 1976 version was directed by Mike Newell, who indeed who went on yes, to do great things for weddings and mm. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. We don't talk about Harry Potter, mm. Potter anymore though because we have cancelled. Cancel J.K. Rowling. Um, I've decided yeah. that's happening for this podcast. I hope you agree. Good. <laughs> I quite like Strike, though. But no. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so, I've just got one thing to say to you. Mm-hmm. It's several lines, actually. I've never seen that young lady in my life before, and I've lived here 50 years. Do it again! <laughs> I thought I delivered it really well. <laughs> Again. Okay. I've never seen that young lady in my life before, and I've lived here fifty years. <laughs> and I've lived here fifty, fifty. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's uh, yeah. of course the, the the different line is used in the in the remake, isn't it? Yeah, so, the remake um, is. Do you want to, do you want to do that yes. one as well? I've never seen the young man in my life before, and I've worked here forty years. <laughs> no. So, what's the difference between the two things? One's twice the running time, and and the and the gender of the young woman becomes a young man. Yes. There we go. That's the change between 1976 and 2003. And on that bombshell, yes. that's all we've got to talk about. We'll see you next no. week. No. Um, <laughs> the issue is that they're trying to do two very different things, I think. Mm. I think the original play is, is, is light drama, and yes. it's... It's telling you about the lot of the the extra, but also mm-hmm. of the unglamorous nature of TV and film production. I think it's it comes over yes. as very grubby, and I like that. Hmm. The two thousand and three version is much more polished, but yes. Jack Rosenthal had a very different agenda there. He was trying to get back at the TV schedulers, TV production, and that's why yes. it was held back from being shown for two years. Um, yes. It wasn't shown in his lifetime. No. Um, <laughs> yes. But I, I'm reading from Wikipedia here. Rosenthal's widow, Maureen Lippmann, claimed that TV executives were reluctant to screen the film, which was maybe too acerbic. In April 2005, she challenged the management of ITV ITV to show the film as a tribute to her husband, threatening to kill them if it was put in a slot outside prime time. Yes, Maureen, Maureen her her life has taken a strange turn in recent times, I believe. Threatened to kill them? (laughs) I mean, what, all of them? One of them? A mass... Bombing? Maureen Dipnam is, is now serving 20 to yes. life in, uh... in Wentworth Detention Centre. 
But it, oh, it must have been agony. It was eventually shown on Boxing Day 2005, which is when I must have right. seen it. And I thought, yes. this is marvellous. But this is the mm. first time I've seen the 1976 version. It is. Right. So it's interesting because you think that the, the 2003 version is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and yet it's presumably pretty much the same script but extended. The difference so, the difference is that the 2003 version has honestly the cast is astonishing. Mm. You've got Bill Nye as the director. You've yes. got Tom Courtney as as Mr. McGill, and he's so good. But mm. on top of that, you've got Michelle Gomez. You've got Sally mm. Phillips, Sam Kelly, mm. Ben Wishaw, Tamsin Gregg. Mm. Daisy Haggard, Joanna Page, Stephen mm. Mangan. I mean, the list is just, yeah. it's every great comedy actor. So it just... I did have a brief look yeah. yesterday. So it just zings yeah. and every line is yeah. delivered. It's a bit like when you, the difference between seeing Shakespeare delivered by amateurs and then Shakespeare oh. delivered by professionals, quite honestly. Okay. And although I quite liked the original play, to get mm. every line to zing, you need the comedy actors. Mm. So. Although the version I saw did have lots of Russian voiceovers. On it <laughs> yes, yes, I also tried. May have to, taken also, taken away from. I that. also tried to look for it. I thought I was watching a translation scene until I realised it was a Russian voiceover on YouTube. I've never seen. Никогда в жизни не видел этого молодого человека. А ведь я здесь уже сорок лет проработал. And I worked here forty years. So basically, идея в том, что есть два брата. <laughs> it is kind of weird, though, actually, because uh, I, you imagine that maybe a lot of that stuff was stuff that was cut from the original teleplay and, you know, for time. Yes, because it's only 52 minutes. Anything. And it's interesting because minutes, yes. the the 2003 version is 95 minutes. And mm. you wonder, oh, God, was there that much material cut? Possibly. Mm. Although it may, it may well have just been you know, different things. And, and obviously sometimes stuff that's very, very quickly dealt with in the 52 minute version yeah. might you know a bit more focused on i mean the uh the interesting thing to me about the tom courtney version was actually that they they had the scene where he goes to see it on television and uh, at his friend's house you know or, or or at home or whichever which whichever way around they do it. the actual finished production yeah. and and you see his disappointment and in some ways i don't know i don't know whether that helps or not i mean it adds a certain bittersweet irony but the, i mean you get the bittersweet irony i mean the whole thing that the, the massive thing about the fact that this this play takes place over one day and it's basically a completely wasted day in the lives of absolutely everybody involved yes in everyone and except for the man who paints the shed yes who at least achieves painting a shed and i quite like the fact that that gets achieved in the, in the space of the day even though then a dog uh this is this is against new paintwork, and that's your end credit shot. So there we go. That's the end. Yeah, but... I think that's the difference between 1976 and 2003 as well. Is that 2003 mm. for audiences that sort of spelled out what happens in 1976? Mm. They're like, well, obviously he's going to be really disappointed and cut up when it doesn't get shown. But that's not the point. That's we we know mm. that's going to happen. So it's kind of leaving things a bit more open, maybe, which I kind of like that. Well, what interested me, and I know, I know this is probably a bit of a, a, a wild leap in the dark, but you know how um, multi, um, what's it, what was it called? You know that multi-plane television that started with things like Hill Street Blues, where the, the camera, camera would keep moving and you'd focus on a different conversation, a different conversation, and, and you, the camera would keep sweeping around and you wouldn't actually, <clears throat> you wouldn't just have a setup for every line. Yeah. 
and that kind of sort of more malleable television that was that was created, you know, it was said to be created for for um, uh, for drama by by things like Hill Street. Actually, when you think about it, that's the kind of techniques they're using in this. Yeah, you know, you've got a you've got sort of snatches of dialogue that aren't focused on and, and crossover. Uh, you know dialogue and everything like that and you get all that in this and so it's kind of it's kind of innovative in in many ways yes from that point there's a very definite um attempt to to give it a a gritty realism isn't there and to make it feel almost um reportagey yeah well i think you get that anyway with 16 mil film yes you know that soft that soft it's, it's that weird thing of um things like the sweeney feeling realistic and it's it's that well not realistic maybe that's not really, but you know the way they're shot is is it sort of uh, it's the cinema verite isn't it you know yes as opposed to 35 mil that was always glorious and yeah. crisp and beautiful it's 30, it, it does look like guerrilla filmmaking in many ways and, yeah and that again is quite wonderful because i'm assuming i may, I mean i may be wrong one of the beauties of filming a, sh- a show like this is you've you, you don't have to worry about all your cameras getting in shot <laughs> because you've got You've got actors pretending to be the film crew who are standing behind them, filming them. And you kind of think, that must be very weird. I know, I was thinking that. I was thinking, it's so meta. It must be so meta making this sort of show because Mm. of the doubling up of everything. (laughs) But I suppose you can use a lot of the equipment on set already, so that's kind of helpful. Well, it just doesn't matter if if a camera accidentally gets in shot because you'd expect it, you know. I mean, there are not many shows you could probably do that on. Is that it? Old man in the street. Oh, hell! Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, there's more. Um, sorry, old man in the street comes to... Where is the old farm? Deirdre, we're waiting! Here? Oh. Me? Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Right. Um, you stand over there, mister? Mister? Uh, Miguel. Joe Miguel. Right, Joe. You start from over there. Good morning. Morning. You start from over there and you walk towards the car. It's a pleasure to have the pleasure of working with you. Thank you. You walk towards the car and as soon as she goes in, you do your dialogue with Bernard, right? Yes, Mr. Shaw. Off you go, then. Pardon? Walk. Walk towards the car. In you go, sweetheart. Have the cameras going? It's a rehearsal. Oh, fair enough. Good morning to you, sir. Morning. It's a pleasure to have the privilege of working with you. And action! I've never seen that young lady in my life before and I've lived here 50 years. I speak first, don't I? Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, after he speaks, compre? Sorry. Again, then. Action. Pretty girl, eh, Grandad, your village schoolmistress? I've never seen that young lady in my life before, and I've lived here 50 years. Was that all right for interpretation? The, the small, smaller roles within it are some of the key, the most beautiful things, you know, I've seen. I mean, Stanley Labor, yeah. for example, you know, uh, Howard, yes. you know, from Howard and Hilda. Yeah. You know, but Stanley Labore there, just with that wonderful sort of dewdrop on his nose. Yes. In in profile, yeah. you know, he, he has got the nose for yeah. it, and boy, do they use yeah, exactly. it. You know? But it's just to show how cold the day is, and all the little mutterings and everything about. I mean, his role particularly. He's the cameraman, isn't he? He's the camera operator. Yeah. And he's just such a lugubrious, miserable soul. Yes. Particularly when he, re- and, uh, particularly when he refuses to film, <laughs> and he's and he's and he he's, he he went to see what was it? What was the film he went to see yesterday? Um, Murder oh, on the Orient Express. He went meant to see Murder on the Orient Express, and the only, again that kind of banal conversations that people have. Yes, 
and it all all you ever learn about it is that he went to see it yesterday. Uh, we heard, we heard nothing about how good no, it was. Anything. How bad it was. It, yeah. It was, and every conversation he has about with it, yeah, yeah. I saw it yesterday. Oh, and someone stole my fishing rod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a lovely. You've got Fred Feast playing the sound oh, guy. He's hilarious. He's brilliant. And it's just a wonderful performance. Yeah. I mean, this is again, it's quite weird how many people who ended up from this ended up in Coronation Street. Oh, okay. Because Phyllis. Phyllis is in it, isn't she? Yes. You know. Yeah, she's the she's and, the second um, gossip or the first gossiping housewife. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Oh again. And this is the beauty of it, these tiny moments that turn into to drama no dramatic gold yeah. really. Because all, all the, the loathing and hatred the extras have for each yes! other isn't that brilliant? on the bus. Yes. You see them all on the bus together and basically they're all as ambitious as each other yeah. and they all absolutely loathe, hate and detest yeah. the other people. <laughs> and this is again these beautiful moments that the man who has to talk about having his hair in three different styles <laughs> and, and the one who hasn't been worked for the BBC and he can't understand what they've got against <laughs> yes. I love the fact that we got references to both Country Matters and Family at War I thought they were mm. just lovely little references well yes there's my childhood in a nutshell yeah absolutely. exactly but, um, that's what I was doing in my summer yeah. holidays sitting watching ITV rubbish in the afternoon one of my favourite performances was mm-hmm. I don't even know who it was, but the actress who played the member of the public passing by, the woman who was told to oh, <laughs> when yes. she was told to shut up when she was being quiet. I didn't even yes. say anything. This is like being at home, this is <laughs> What sort of play? For the telly. Is it uh, what do you call it? Upstairs, downstairs. Yes. No. I've seen him before, he's been in something. According to the TV Times, his pet hates are man's inhumanity to man and gardening. Every man to his trade, eh? Better working for a living. Aye. See that half-dead one over there? Aye. He's in charge. Fancies himself, does he? Oh, he thinks he's God. Let there be light. Right, here we go! Well, that's lovely because, because again, this, this starts to... Again, you talk about the meta thing. Yeah. Well, this is a moment where where the reality and the and because he thinks that they've they've cast them as yes. gossiping women, and it turns out that no, they're just gossiping, they're just women. gossiping women. They're women. actual. Yeah. And, he, he, and he and the and the reality. I mean, basically, in many ways, the whole film is really about Jack Shepard's nervous breakdown yes, it is. that's yeah. going on. Yeah. And and you sort of get that right from the beginning, but you actually sort of he's actually starting to not be able to tell who is the real actor and who are just the onlookers, you know? Yeah, exactly. In the same way, again, there's, a, there's another beautiful moment where where Mr McGill is actually asked, asked by the school child for his autograph. Yeah. And then when the school's kicked out, all the children want... Because he's the one who gave the autograph. Yes, he must be the most important person in the production. That's how <laughs> children's logic works, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, of course, you've got... I mean, really, this, this whole whole play, if you like, is about power. Uh-huh. And it's about kicking down and kicking down and kicking yes. down, and and, and the hierarchy. least important yeah. person on the, yeah, and the least important person on the set is Mister McGill, who gets the most blame. And you notice he forgets his line two minutes after the actress forgets her line, but she doesn't get yeah. you know the same ire. Hello, Nancy. It's me. Lunch break. Steak, kidney pie, runner beans, and mashed. A bit stingy on the pie. Oh, very well indeed. It'll be a cracking little scene when we've done it. No, not yet. 
technical hitches behind our control. You get a lot of insight into his home life. You get two scenes with Mr. McGill's home yeah. life. He is a very, uh, in many ways, he's a very nice man who you want, who really, really annoys you. Yeah. And he has this, he has this life. He want, he dreams of being an actor. He's he's become uh, a film extra, and like you say, he's probably been doing it for a while. And he wakes up in the morning and he's and he's learned his line. He knows his line. And his wife really couldn't couldn't give a flying. No, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's six o'clock in the morning, and and the, and the, and and he goes off. And and have you noticed how in every single part of this, it's always him that keeps everybody waiting. Right. It's kind of like the bus, he's last onto the bus. Yeah. Despite the fact it's the most important day of his life. Yeah. He's last onto the bus. And when, and the actual, when they shout out the name of the play towards the end, ready when you are, Mr. McGill, yeah. it's to get him back on the bus. Yes. To take the extras home. It's not ready for the, for, for his, for his um, scene, is it? Which is interesting because I always assumed it was yeah. for his scene. But the yeah. reason why he's always last is because he's being courteous and fussy with everyone. And going round and yes. saying and being nice to people and saying farewells and saying it was a pleasure working with But that was probably why he was like getting there to begin with as well, because he would have been nice to the shop assistant or when he got to get his paper, mm. you know what I mean? It was part of mm. him. And, and the massively disinterested milkman who really... <laughs> yes, yes, he really doesn't care. Yeah. But it, it, it's it's quite interesting, I think, just because you get this sense of one man in a relationship, if you like, one person in a relationship having hopes and dreams, and the other person in the relationship really being massively disinterested. You know, presumably it's what pays for the kippers. You know? <laughs> yes. You know, but um, it's it's just kind of kind of weird that you know he 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 is so mind-bogglingly excited. He wants to tell everybody, oh, I'm in this, I'm yeah. in this thing." And literally everybody he meets doesn't give a crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, maybe that's that's saying more about the human condition than anything else. <laughs> the the TV series that it made me think about more than anything else was Survivors. Just because of all okay. the series, that's probably the one in which the actors and the crew told me most about the behind-the-scenes going on. And right. I really feel like I got the sense of, oh, well, they're sleeping with them, or they're all, always upset all the time or mm. or oh, this is a really bad production or whatever it really felt survivorsy and there's this one photo I've got of Tristan Devere Cole on on location for the episode Mad Dog and he looks mm. thoroughly cold and miserable and he's wearing exactly what Jack Shepard's wearing <laughs> and I just thought I bet it was really like this I bet this is massively realistic anyway just an aside. I think there's a there's a there's a definite sense with this. I mean, what you've got are a lot of professionals under a great deal of pressure yeah. and being horrible to each other, yeah. and yet actually, when you sort of scratch beneath that, they're actually all reasonably decent people. You know, I mean, you notice uh, you get Mark Wing Davy doing his horrible shouty thing, mm. and then when the when he, Mr. McGill comes to say goodbye, he's really sweet with him. Yeah. You know. And there's even a moment, even with with Jack Shepard, when, when, when he when he goes and to sort of say, you know, it's been a pleasure working with you. Even he actually is really quite kind. Yes. In many ways, and it's kind of weird. I think is is this really a play about about work? Yes. Just generally, I think it's about the pressure of work and how it makes us different people, and the pressure of time. Mm. And yeah, I do yeah. think that's it because I think there's no one who's who's horrible. 
really, apart from perhaps mm. first gossiping lady. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, because I mean, there's there's a there's a costumier, isn't there? I mean, there's a moment when when uh, he's lined up for his sh- uh, when you've actually fi- you know Mr. McGill has been hauled onto. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think I think maybe there's more preamble in the other version, but but he's he's fi- they're ready for him for his shot, and then they look at what he's wearing, and nobody's told him anything about what he should be no. wearing, as far as we're aware, and and he, and they haul over this this um, this co- costumier. I don't know if what's that costume the, designer, that <laughs> costume designer, and basically go page one, line one, nineteen forty, and and she just bursts into tears, <laughs> and he just hugs her you know yeah. and it's kind of and there's all i say there's all these tiny little moments going on with it's like the one who's got the hangover the one who can't find her stopwatch because it's hanging around her the neck. man eater the yeah. one who's feeling it yeah. Like, yeah yeah you know and and there's all these tiny little moments which are, which again in in the spa, in the space of a 52 minute play it's actually quite astonishing that you just get these little vignettes these little camera shots that just tell you so much you know yeah in Shakespeare and what have you, you get the chorus, don't you? you or you, you get the back, you know, the people who comment. So you've got, like you say, the the, the two gossipy ladies, and you've got so they're the, they're the people watching. But then you actually got another chorus, which is the film crew, before you finally got your lead players. So there's like three layers of of commenting going on here, which I just again I think it's a wonderful thing, you know. One thing that really surprised me about watching this version is that. When it comes the first time they do it properly, when they actually have light and everything that they need and no aeroplanes mm-hmm. interrupting, is that Mr. McGill does it does it perfectly. And mm. I don't think that happens in the 2003 version. Right. And I think he's... They have a perfect take that's just ruined by Harry yes, McGill. Yes, but that, I don't think that happens in 2003. I might be wrong, but my memory is mm-hmm. that Mr. McGill is utterly crap and they shouldn't have been given a line. <laughs> But in this, he's actually right. pretty good, isn't he? He's actually, oh, yeah. yeah, he does it. And then he's only bullied and frightened into giving a bad performance. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen the young lady in my life Don't before. stress young. You sound as though you have seen the old lady before, and there isn't one. Again. I've, I've never seen... I've never... I've never seen the young lady in my life before. I've never seen the young lady in my life before. I've never seen the young lady in my life before. Life before. Emphasize life. I've never seen the young lady in my life before. Again! I've never seen the young lady in my life. No, not in. In my life before. Again! I've never seen... I've, ne- I've never seen the... I've never in my lady seen life before. No, no. That's the other thing of, of the background activity of they're all doing crosswords because they're so bloody bored. Well, you hear about the Doctor Who set that they're always doing the crossword, aren't they? And that was kind of like a permanent activity yeah. of them. And Tom Baker being very impressed with uh, Mary Tam because she was able to do the crossword quicker than she than he yeah. was. Yeah. And they'd all be staring at the... Uh, I mean, nowadays you'd all be staring at screens or playing, um, what's it, C- Candy Crush or yeah. whatever it is the kids I loved play. how you said Candy Crush, like it was the first time you'd ever said it. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to remember whether it had a third word. Is it Saga? Yes, it yes, I think it does. Yeah. Saga is more of a word that I'm familiar yes, with. Yes, I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it Diana Davies who's playing the actress? 
I believe yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know who the guy is. I can't remember. But it's interesting because I think it would have been better to cast those two people as more famous. And this mm. is the... I'm saying this partly because I'm influenced by having watched in the 2003 version where Amanda Holden plays mm. herself. Ah. Yes. And she's the policewoman in it. But she, right. you know, she's she's being Amanda Holden. And that works really well. And I think it's it's kind of a trick that's a bit missed in the um, original because mm. it would have been interesting to see famous actors being mm. themselves between, you know, between the... Yeah. scenes and actually seeing what it was like but budget darling yes budget. of course it's a lovely moment really isn't there you know when right at the beginning when the cameraman and the sound man are, are, are looking while uh, jack shepherd's character just is trying to frame the shot and he's doing all that walking around outside the front yeah. of this church and you just know that they're just, they're just taking the piece, totally they're like you know uh, and it's like is the is the director's job basically a waste of time yeah well it's interesting isn't it because because there's always this thing about directors, whether they're a, an actor director or whether they're a shot mm. director and whether they're about action. Mm. And I just think it's an interesting thing that you always hear about different di- directors from the same people. Oh, yeah, they were more act. They, they were there for the actors or they were there for mm. to get the perfect shot. And there seems mm. to be very few that seem to be both. But I just find that an interesting thing because he's clearly a, a shot director. I think <laughs> he's, he's kind of, he wants it perfectly framed. I, I, th- I think I think he's well. I mean, basically, was it? He say I fell asleep putting on my trousers this morning. My pants. It was actually. So that means oh, underpants pants, in our country. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> and he and he um and he and and when he actually falls asleep and falls off the back of the, the lorry, the, he's literally on the brink of a total nervous yes. breakdown. Yeah, because of the pressures of this film. So the key scene is finally where the director loses it and he mm. lets it out on Mr. McGill. He gets all of his mm. ire and anger and it's horrible and it's completely unfair and quite difficult, isn't it? What was your name again? Joe, Joe McGill. That, Mr. McGill, was the most appalling disgusting, terrible performance in the annals of acting history. Congratulations. Yes, sir. I wasn't entirely satisfied with my delivery, really. Weren't you? Not entirely. A bit wooden. Incomprehensible. And the worst bloody mess I've seen in my bloody life! And I feel as though I've lived here 50 sodding years! Hmm. Well, it's... (sighs) Yes, I mean it, that's that's the thing where it's it's difficult to watch, and I suspect a lot of that is you have you have to have built up a sense of Mister McGill actually being annoying. Yeah, and I genuinely don't think he is actually. I don't. I mean, he's annoying in his little way. Irritating, I would say, rather than annoying. Yeah, but but I don't think actually in terms of what he's doing. I mean, okay, you got uh, what was it, what's the line that, that um, she she says on the bus. Oh, she had to do an appearance with him. He was only average. He was only average, yes. The um, the reaction of Mr McGill to being shouted at and demeaned yes. in front of everyone yes. is quite surprising because your expectation is that he will crumple and he will feel useless mm. and that he will actually mm. be really upset, even possibly cry. Mm. But he actually responds to that cruelty very strongly. He's taken mm. aback, 
but he has this speech about we're mm. not machines, we're not cameras, and this it's mm. not fair, you know. You, and also, mm. don't be personal. You don't know anything about me. I'm not stupid. Mm. And it's a really yes. wonderful um, re- moment. Yes, yeah, a wonderful yes. reaction to being treated. The little man fighting back. Yes, yes. and that's Absolutely. kind of a trope in itself. But it's 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 very nicely done, and it's a it's a good reminder that there's never any reason for anyone to be demeaned to that degree, whatever. No, absolutely. And yeah. I just like the fact that it's an unexpected choice. I feel for the mm-hmm. drama. I've read the play and the scenes of prime importance to the understanding of it. Why didn't you get it right then? Well, we've been doing it over for hours and hours. That's what you're paid for. But we're not machines, we're not cameras. You had two lines to do, Mr. McGill. Two! And you couldn't! It was a 13th take. That's all the more reason! I did the others all right. One or two of them were your. Well, not your. Do you know why you couldn't, Mr. McGill? Because you're no bloody good. And that's why you're an extra. A stupid, lousy extra! A lousy, bloody extra! You stupid old bugger! You don't know that I'm stupid, no good at anything. You've only really met me today. I might be very good for all you know. I might be a very interesting person. I might have been acting long before you were born. Mr. McGill, you had one important thing to do, and you couldn't. That's not real life, lad. That's pretend. We're all pretending. You're pretending. The whole damn fool place pretending. And the other thing is, of course, after that, you know, you would kind of think uh, that might sort of taint everything. But in in that sense, that when he does go round and bid his farewells and say it's been a pleasure with working every, with everybody, they're all terribly nice to yeah. him. You know, I think they everybody realizes. I feel that maybe somebody went too far there. Yeah. You know, because we because it's part it is part of the human condition. Yeah. You know. The other thing about the human condition that we're presented is this idea um, that real life is how well you pretend, mm. and that was an interesting angle that it that Rosenthal was trying to bring out was that you know we all pretend mm. in real life as well as in the case of this for um this drama this film that's being made and mm. is there any difference because we're all mm. pretending and I thought that was a really interesting point very meta mm. yeah but I thought that was that was nice to bring that out as another mm. element because the whole day in in its way is very very pointless you know uh, you, you know, do we achieve anything in the court? You know, have we actually achieved anything? I mean, there is a reflection, isn't there, in the voiceover at the end? You know, is there anything at the end of it all? Is there? Yes. <laughs> and of course, at the, uh, in terms of this play, this TV film they've made, no, there isn't. No. The whole thing was a, an astonishing waste of time. Although a lot of people got to eat a lot of bacon sandwiches and burgers. Yeah. Which is and that. And I think the fact that the house is painted, as you say, is really important, that the house is mm. the success of the house being painted, which seems mm. like a meaningless task, but actually, yeah. yeah, that is achieved. I do wonder, actually, I do wonder uh, about that in in the sense of, did they actually just hire somebody as an extra for the day? And basically the poor bastard just had to paint the shit. Yeah, but they had to make sure it was fully painted by the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean, but did, but did, did, um, did you know, did, sort of set dressers actually paint 
it in between. Oh, the did shots he actually the paint it? Was, was this poor bugger just yes. he actually got a day's work to actually paint a shed yeah. for this? Film? I think it's one of those questions I was asking, asking all yeah. the way through because obviously, again, when you sort of start double meta, triple metering, he was just an extra who was there to paint a yes, shed. Yes, indeed. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of. Weird. I think my favourite line in the whole thing is just repeated and repeated, and it's the sound guy kept kept telling, keeping telling people when they're not interested. It was okay for me. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> well, Fred Feast is uh, again. I mean, later on, um, what was in, in what was what was his character in Coronation Street? He was Fred G in Corrie. Fred G. Yes, I thought that'd be a Fred. <laughs> 123. They, they sometimes didn't. They didn't they let the names fall very far from the from the tree. No. Fred Feast. Fred G. Fred G. Yeah. Fred Feast. <laughs> so, I think we've pretty much covered it, have we not? Um. What else do you have to say? Yeah. There, well, there were a few sort of side issues. I do think, um, uh, and and it is uh, one of those scenes. Uh, I, I just I think I think there's the beautiful can you start this this scene. bit again because you just <laughs> start the sentence again because you've prevaricated for too long so let go blimey <laughs> well I just knew I was going to have to cut the last minute say it again say it again <laughs> yeah exactly you're useless <laughs> no you don't know me <laughs> we might have to keep all that in <laughs> Oh, I see. Ruin the take. He can't cut it. Now. There's that scene though where he's he's sitting out and he's and he's and he's fantasizing yeah. about you know about his awards and his and his and his roles and all this kind of thing. I just think that's a gorgeous scene that says so much purely about the dreams and ambitions of the little you know the little man, yeah. the little man who really was hoping that this day would would change his life and and suddenly he'd get noticed and maybe he'd be the barman on Coronation Street. Because yeah. <laughs> the actual actor, Joe Joe Black, yeah. he, was a, he was a music hall performer. Ah, and um, and And uh, he actually had an act, I, I believe. Um, you know, and um, he, this was his actual, apparently was his actual first television role, although he went on and, and, and played roles in, in, in various other things. Ah. But apparently this was actually his big break, so it's kind of it's even in meta in, in that sense of the word as well, you know. Yeah. So I keep talking about the difference between the 1976 and the 2003 version. I'm just going to play in one scene, which is, it's not a crucial scene by any means. It's just mm. a moment from the filming, which is the plane going over, just to show the difference between the the dialogue and the way it's played between those two scenes in the different versions. Mm -hmm. So I'm playing that in now. Well, thanks, thanks for the lift. Thank you. Got it, Phil. What's wrong? Listen. What to? Aircraft. Where? Have we cut a what? What do you mean, aircraft? Like Big Iron Bird from Great Landing Sky. Well, I know I'm clogged up with Qatar. Listen. Okay. Stand by to go again as soon as he's gone. Boeing 707. 
Pan Am or Aer Lingus? Lufthansa. All right, mate. But I'm only doing my job. Fine. OK. I was only joking. So was I. OK, then. OK. Chief Inspector. Sorry, Phil. Now what? What? Listen. What to? Aircraft. Where? Have we cut or what? What, what do you mean, aircraft? Like big iron bird from great land in sky. An aircraft. What bloody aircraft? Sorry, Dennis, cut. Shh. Well, I know I'm clogged up with Qatar. Listen. There's nothing bloody up there, except God, and I'm not all that sure about him this morning. Okay. Stand by till it's gone. It's funny you never heard the other 53. Boeing 747. BA or Aer Lingus? Lufthansa. I'm only doing my job. Me too, in actual fact. All right, if I say in actual fact, is it? Okay. 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 He didn't. Ha he didn't have a massive uh, career. Um, weirdly, he it, it, actually it's not his first because he was actually a driver in Emmerdale three years earlier. But um, but um, he was a, a regular in Comeback Mrs. Noah. Oh God! Isn't that the weird Molly Sugden in space one? Yeah, that's the fella, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, he was also a regular in Shilling Shillingbury Tales. Oh, right. So, so, um, but uh, not like not saying not a massive career, but th this was his first sort of major role in a in a thing. He's also in the New Avengers, weirdly. But there oh. we go. <clears throat> so he had he had a bit of a career yeah. between nineteen seventy six and nineteen ninety. Well, they, they obviously went for someone who was almost an extra in a way. <laughs> I met a, a bloke on on uh, when I was on a holiday a few years ago who who is, is a, a regular supporting artist or was a regular supporting artist and um, he was um, he he was in quite a few uh, Midsummer Murders. Oh, really? But the story I was going to tell you about was that we have this aunt and uncle, and the uncle's dead now, but um. The time when they appeared in the Cinder Path for Catherine Cookson. And, God, we so heard about all of this, about how virtually all of the family, apart from the uncle, who they probably sent back for being too annoying, they all appeared as extras in the Cinder Path. And, and I can just imagine them being like French and Saunders, you know. It's like, well, we would do that in this period, wouldn't we? We would have decided to wear leg warmers, even though it's, it's the 1930s or whatever it is. Yeah. But um, yeah. I did actually. I, I did want to sort of uh, briefly touch on 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 things like extras and French yes. supporters. So, so that's nicely into it because there there is a whole sort of world of the support. There is, there? yeah. You know, I mean, this was the interesting thing about this chat we met on on holiday. You know, he was a lovely chap. You know, and and carried on doing it for a few years longer, as far as I'm aware. But um, and you do spot him occasionally in the background. You know, and you say, oh yeah, you know. But um, it it is it is it. It just isn't. Apparently, he's in about one second of red two. <laughs> right. Yes, there we yeah. go. Um, but, uh, but, but but the thing is, they always tell you know. Oh, yes, he was this. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Anthony Hopkins was in the scene, and 
and uh, Bruce Willis were in the scene, and they were all terribly nice. <laughs> <laughs> the um, which is yeah. fine, you know. It, it's it, that's the thing. I think if people are kind to their supporting artists, you know, yeah. they uh, they actually go away with some fond memories. I mean, for some people, this is the most important, the most prestigious, the biggest thing they will ever yeah. appear yeah. on, you know. And so, actually, I think yeah, it's it's that whole lesson in life: is it be kind to the small people. Yeah. You know? the, going back to French and Saunders, though. It's interesting because there's there no small people. They're so like the two gossiping housewives because they're kind of at the point where they're so au fait with doing it and they're so almost bored of it. It's mm. just so regular that they are really jumped up and above their mm. station. And mm. there's the lovely one where they meet June Whitfield in the dressing room and they're quite, quite rude to her. And, and I, I just think they kind of get sort of jumped up. And I think this is something else that maybe is, is a truism. <laughs> we're doing here today oh it's a dickens oh it's a dickens, dickens yeah. yeah six part sunday night wobbly set <laughs> you know <laughs> i love dickens don't you he's very good isn't yes, he yes very very good. yes there's a funny little thing about dickens isn't there What's that? he always gives all his characters peculiar little names that suit them doesn't oh. he yes even though we're passers by he would have given us names wouldn't he, he would yes he? like yes. for instance you'd be called Miss Hugebottom or something like that. <laughs> and I'd be called Mistress Asda Voucher. Oh. Or uh, Miss Curvy or something oh, like that. Or yes. Mistress Pipsqueak, perhaps. Oh, yes, yes, I mean, that's a little name like that. Hello. 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 Are you in the Dickens? No. It is you, though, isn't it? <laughs> Who? You know who you are. <laughs> yes, I do, thanks. Oh. Yes. It is. It is. Definitely is. Definitely is. It's June. It's June something. June. June. No, Joan. Joan something. Whit. 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 Whitman. Sim Whitman. No. June. June Sims. June Sims. 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 That's it. No. 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 Sims. Scott. Scott. Jim Scott. Jim Scott. It's Whitfield. It's Whitfield. June Whitfield. Yes, of course it is. Within within that world, the ambition. You know, the the we want to be first gossip. You know, we were first gossip on, on in five episodes of this and, and all that kind of thing. Mm. You know, and all the little tales they're telling on the bus of, oh, well, I was in this and I was in that. You know, again, we, we all sort of build up our own self-importance in, in what we're doing or, or we are all capable yeah. of it. Uh, I, say, I say all, obviously I'm rubbish at that. But <laughs> exactly, you do the opposite all the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have no skills. I've never done anything useful. <laughs> can, can I quote you on that? <laughs> yes, that's why I said it. So you can use that. You can. <laughs> I'll I'll put that on the box. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Martin Holmes is talentless. Quote Andy Priest. <laughs> yeah, so that's the that's the title of my biography. I've realised now I should be doing reverse psychology and just being horrible about you, and then you might actually you might actually defend. No, no, I just agree with you. Yep, 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 no, absolutely agree. Anyway, so there we are. The A to Z of UK TV drama ends at the letter. <laughs> yes! We've realised the rest of it's just not worth yeah. doing. Oh. Well, no, I'm, I'm just going to do it with Tim from the Doctor Who podcast as he's way better. Oh, yeah, well, someone so actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, yes. It, it, I've never doubted it. I've never doubted it. <laughs> I'm still amazed I'm here. I'm amazed I'm amazed the last of the letter B quite funny. <laughs> so um I'm I'm slightly um aware of how nervous I am about the next two episodes because they're gonna cover two series that are very close to my heart and to get the episodes right about these That you series, literally wrote the book on I did, lad. 
The, I wrote the book the on book in both cases. So we know what those series are: Secret Army and Tenko. Yes. And we, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to do Shillingbury Blowers? <laughs> What was really funny was when I was talking to Juliet Hammond Hill, because I was talking to Juliet Hammond Hill, she did say she Darn. did say to me, she said, But aren't you doing survivors for us? And I just loved the fact that she knew that and she was questioning that we were doing Secret Army. I thought it was so sweet. She said, Because I know you like that equally. I was like, No, it's Secret Army for me every time and I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you, Juliet. Mm. <laughs> You t- I, look, I wrote half a book on Survivors. I wrote a whole exactly. book. I wrote, bo- wrote, I wrote enough for two books on Secret Army. Yes. And I'm still talking to you ten years exactly. later. Exactly. Mm. But you're, you're, you've got you've got some special extras lined up. We you? have. We have three interviews. We have interviews with Angela Richards, Juliet Hammond-Hill, and Clifford Rose. Hooray! Mm. Which wasn't terrifying at all. No, in fact... You know, it's hard to believe he played Kessler because he's the sweetest man you'd ever meet. Um, yes. Um, whenever I talk about him to Alex, she's saying, can't he just be our dad? And I'm like, yes, that would be good. I haven't proposed it yet to Clifford as an idea, but I will. Will you adopt us, yes, please? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, please. Thank you kindly. We have, we, we have set up the torture room in the cellar. <laughs> Do it, you feel at home. It's like I just just this vision of him going down the stairs. You've got a room like in that Father Ted episode from all the Nazi memorabilia. Unless, of course, you have. No. Ah, I've never. I've realised I've never been to your house. We have got a cellar actually, but not not Ah. got Nazi memorabilia in it. Oh well, that's that's good to know. But if that if that's Clifford's rider, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You were thinking it was just jelly beans, but no. What I actually yes. Oh, I, felt, I feel like it took a dark turn. <laughs> yes, it sometimes does. Right, well, until next week, when we will be secret armying, um, I have been Andy. And I, believe it or not, have been Martin. Useless Martin Holmes. <laughs> I never doubted it, I never doubted it. Bye! You, t- you take care, bye bye. <laughs>
That was quite fun. What the bloody hell was that? <laughs> that was quite fun, that episode. I like that one. Uh, yeah, well, there we that go. That was good.